Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K-O-R-Results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today I have Stephanie Woodrow, and she is the owner and clinical director of the National Anxiety and OCD Treatment Center in Washington, D.C. She specializes in treating young adults, college students, and professionals with anxiety disorders, OCD, and related disorders. Stephanie has participated in the Advanced Forum through the International OCD Foundation's Behavioral Therapy Training Institute and was named the Emerging Leader by the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, which is really cool. And currently, she is the chair of ADA's Special Interest Group on OCD and Related Disorders, which I am a part of people, um, as well as chair of the membership committee. Stephanie has presented at conferences and webinars hosted by ADA and IOCDF. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. So I'm super excited to have you here because you actually um, are going to be talking about a topic that I think a lot of people will have interest in, and I don't think it's discussed that often, which is gender identity and OCD. So I, you know, one of the things I know most listeners well, anybody with OCD, right, is, is we often get very confused. I mean, I have OCD. I certainly know before, you know, any treatments or anything, you know, you, you really kind of get lost in what's me, what's not me, what's OCD, what like, and it's a topic like gender, gender identity. I think it just opens up um, just so many questions. So if you can't just kind of give us maybe a broad kind of overview, like what is that? What does that actually mean versus like, what is OCD? Absolutely. So Gender identity is how somebody identifies their gender. So that, so if somebody identifies with the gender that they were identified as, as birth, they're cis, spelled C-I-S. So I identify as cis female. If somebody doesn't identify with either male or female, they'll identify as non-binary. And if they identify with a gender that is one other than they were assigned at birth, they'll refer to themselves as trans male, meaning they now identify as male or trans female. There's also gender fluidity where people will feel comfortable identifying with different different titles at different times. When, Because this topic has become so newsworthy, especially in the last 10 years, we know that when there's more attention to something that OCD is going to go, ooh, do I need to be paying attention to that as well? And so when OCD goes, do I need to pay attention to that? We start to see that pop up with patients. And so that's where gender identity OCD has really popped up where patients will, it's patients will worry if they're cis, they'll go, am I actually transgender? Or if a patient is transgender, am I actually cis? And the big the big thing that always comes up and the concern that patients will have is they'll say, I'm not homophobic. I, I, I'm, I'm not transphobic. You know, please don't think of me that way. And Gender identity OCD has absolutely nothing to do with transphobia. It has nothing to do with being um, against 
the LGBT plus community whatsoever. It's that idea of a lack of certainty. I need a guarantee of what my gender identity is. And I can't handle that piece of unknowing. And of yeah, course, that's so universal that's, with, that's... With, with OCD. Well, and, and as you say that, I mean, I can imagine, you know, anybody listening, kind of one of the first questions, right, is, well, well, how do I kind of decipher, separate from something like that versus my OCD, right? I mean, we're talking about OCD, but I guess, like, give us a little bit of a kind of understanding, like, what is OCD? How does it operate? Um, and why would then somebody kind of still feel confused about, well, how, like, what is the correct identification, right? Because I, I think people get really stuck on that, Um I'll pause there. So I think one of the most important things to recognize is that when OCD goes after a topic, it's because there is some importance to us. So when patients come in and they initially will have that comment of, I swear I'm not transphobic, there is something internally within them that is true to their nature where they're really worried about hurting or offending that community. And I think that that's really special and wonderful. And I emphasize that as a wonderful characteristic, you know, look at what a caring person you are. Look at what a compassionate person you are, that you are so, you are so concerned about hurting this community or being a detriment to this community that you're ruminating on this. And very frequently patients will say, if, if I'm transgender, that's fine. I don't care, but I need to know. I need to know and I need that guarantee. And with any other OCD theme, we know again, it's not about okay, well, I'm confident enough. No, there's no such thing as confident enough for OCD. <laughs> OCD doesn't operate that way. Um, OCD needs that guarantee. It needs that absence of uncertainty. And so what patients are seeking, people with OCD, with gender identity OCD are seeking is that guarantee of where do I fit? Where do I belong? How can I feel comfortable in whatever um, whatever label or title or community. And the reality of that is, is that because of how OCD operates, where certainty isn't achievable, um, the, the absence of, you know, questioning isn't going to exist with OCD, that guarantee isn't there. So it leaves people going, Oh, I, I just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And it creates this inner turmoil. You add to that the social environment that we're in where, you know, there are lots of concerns about, I don't want to be seen as um, being against the community. I don't want to be seen as somebody that's harmful. I don't want to be canceled with social media or anything like that. And it creates even more anxiety. Yeah. So how do you imagine somebody with OCD, um, how would they go about addressing this or how would they go about even talking about something like this with people, right? Or with loved ones or just whoever, because you're right, right? Like uh, the current also kind of climate, right? This, it's very much a hot topic, um, just like there've been several hot topics. And of course, any hot topic out there, the OCD brain immediately will latch on to, oh my God, is this me? Could it be me? Um, 
so how, yeah, I think a lot of people oftentimes can get stuck on how to discuss something because, right, there's now this, like, I think like a secondary fear of, oh my gosh, what if I offend, like you said, right? So not only is now, is it a question now for me and my own kind of how to identify, but now the the question of being offensive or, you know, being rude or, you know, being misperceived a certain way. And so, of course, people can have a lot of feelings come up around it and start to feel constricted and, you know, and kind of want to shut down and avoid massively. So what would you kind of recommend? Um, So first of all, I always tell people that your OCD experience and your OCD story is your business and you get to choose who you share it with and how much you share. And just because you share certain details with some people doesn't mean you share all the details with everybody, just like other aspects of your life. You're going to tell certain people more details about why your boss is a pain in the butt than you're going to tell other people. You're more likely to tell a friend not at work than you're going to tell your boss's boss. So just like we pick and choose details in other areas of our life, I think it's very important that when it comes to OCD and sharing details that we do pick and choose and we make sure that we feel as safe as OCD is going to allow to share with that other person and recognize the fact that because there are so many misunderstandings and misconceptions about OCD that there is going to have to be education that goes on with it. And what we're really looking for in people that we're talking to about these topics is empathy and compassion and willingness to learn. So I really encourage people to to consider ahead of time, what do you want to share? What do you not want to share? And I always say, if you are wanting to talk about a specific theme, find articles about it and offer to present those. If you're currently in therapy with an OCD therapist, ask if you can bring that person in um, and have a conversation with the therapist because that education can be such a wonderful component of it. And helping people understand that it's an awful disorder, but it is completely egodystonic. It has nothing to do with somebody's true nature and true self. And the person is not harmful or hateful because of their OCD. And what we really need is a lot of acceptance about the struggle that the person is going through. You know, as you're talking, I imagine somebody would probably want to ask you, how would you, um, how would you describe OCD? Like if you, if you were sitting with a client or anybody you met and, and they're going to ask you, right? Like the general public is like, oh, well, I, I mean, I think I'm OCD or I'm so OCD. I, I keep my stuff clean, right? I do all this stuff or, you know, um, I, I like to line my stuff up like, oh my gosh, we're all a little OCD. What would you tell them? How would you educate them? So I have actually trademarked a term. Um, I'm not sure when I'm going to get around to uh, putting it to use, but I say that there are two kinds of OCD. Um, there's OCD and then there's Hollywood OCD. And Hollywood OCD is when you wash your hands and you like things arranged in order and colors are really important to you and you're really organized. And that's Hollywood OCD. And I've never known a person with OCD who wouldn't love to have Hollywood OCD. Mm-hmm. And I explained that what we're seeing 
with Hollywood OCD is you're seeing physical compulsions, but you are not seeing, you're missing the entire part, which is the obsessions. And the obsessions are really where the torment is. And so what I'll do sometimes is I'll give an example of, have you ever had a headache or a pain in your neck and it just won't go away and it makes it impossible to concentrate on anything else? And people, yeah, I guess. Absolutely. Okay, great. Imagine that you couldn't stop thinking about it. And it wasn't just that it was painful, but it was telling you something horrible about yourself, about who you actually are as a person. And it's not going to go away. And you're trying to do all of these things to make it go away, but it's not going to go away. And so you're going to become more and more frustrated. Nobody can actually see that you're suffering because you can't see a headache and you can't see a pain in your neck, but it's still there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And it doesn't mean that you're not suffering. So that'll help the explanation a little bit. The other thing that I think is important is I explain the difference between impulsive and compulsive behaviors. So impulsive behaviors are things that feel good, eating, drinking, sex, drugs, gambling, shopping. Compulsive behaviors are about a reduction of distress. They are not about feeling good. So the example I always use is I say, do you ever walk away from your car and you have the remote lock button and you hit it two or three times and you hear it beep? People go, yeah, of course. I go, when you hear it beep, do you go, yes, woohoo, like my car is locked. And they go, no. And I go, right. You're going, my car is safe. They go, right. I go, that's what a compulsion is. You have that reduction of distress, but there is no positive feeling. There's some relief, but it's not actually like good. And so when you have people with OCD engaging in compulsive behaviors, they're not trying to feel good. They're trying to feel less awful. Yeah, that's really well said. Um, I actually really like that explanation. Um, I always love to kind of hear from other folks, you know, how they explain OCD, what it is, how it works, and so on. Um, and then, you know, like you said, with the gender identity piece, you know, sounds like if somebody, especially because it's also so kind of hot theme, you know, that OCD brains will latch on. So even if you think you know, and then suddenly you can start to doubt it, right? Um I think also a lot of times, um, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this, you know, I think people often will say things like, well, OCD is a trauma response, um, right? And that we can now start thinking about whether it's gender identity or other topics like that, like, right, oh, was there a trauma or not, right? That's another kind of hot topic. Um, can you speak a little bit about that? Absolutely. And I've seen this happen before where I, the research clearly shows that trauma can influence somebody's OCD theme, but trauma doesn't cause OCD. So I have seen it where a person has had a very difficult experience and it does influence their OCD theme, but it doesn't cause OCD. So these are things that make us vulnerable. And because OCD attacks vulnerabilities, whether it's somebody becoming a new parent and then having harm thoughts or thoughts about being a pedophile, that's because becoming a parent makes you vulnerable. If you've had a trauma, that is making you vulnerable. So because OCD really wants that vulnerability, it can come in many different forms. Got it. So, so I imagine somebody listening right now might ask, well, what causes OCD then? Well, 
there are a number of things that that research researchers believe cause OCD. We there is the belief that there is a biological predisposition for it, and it's not that there is quote unquote something wrong with you or that there is something broken with you. It's just a difference, but it's something that can be addressed and it's something that can be helped. And then frequently what happens is that that miswiring gets gets triggered by something and it can be a trauma experience it can be hearing somebody's story that has nothing to do with anything and then we have a thought pop into our head our brain misinterprets it or infers that information incorrectly um, gives it value that it actually doesn't deserve and then we enter into that OCD cycle Got it. And so back to gender identity question that I have here um, as we're talking is let's say somebody really is actually in, in the process, in the midst of um, actually kind of figuring out, you know, wh- where are they in their gender identity, right? Like what what they really identify with, what really speaks to them. So they're in process and they're having OCD at the same time. How how would they be able to actually tell the difference um, because, right, those two things can get kind of really confused and infused together, right? So how could they tell the difference between, oh, no, this is actually legitimately me figuring this out, kind of what I resonate with or really what category kind of speaks to me and, and that I, I would say, yeah, this is me versus where OCD would come in and interfere with that process? Typically, people who are... Um, experiencing gender dysphoria or who believe they are transgender or who are trans and believe that they're actually cis, what they're, when they're trying to either transition or really come to terms with how they identify, there's usually a point where there is a comfort in saying, I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge this now. And the fear has more to do with how are other people going to interact or how are other people going to treat me and things like that. But there really is this internal peace and internal calmness where there is this resolution of this is where I'm at. And that happens very frequently with OCD. OCD doesn't give it a rest. OCD has absolutely no interest in giving people a rest or a break. And there's never confident enough or um, certain enough. So just like I would tell any patient with OCD, just because you're worried about something does not mean that that is automatically OCD. If you are in a if you are in a romantic relationship, and you and your spouse are, or you and your partner are fighting, that doesn't mean it's and you're questioning should I be with that person. That doesn't mean it's relationship OCD. You can have real relationship problems and also have OCD. So somebody can be going through um, questions about their gender identity and have OCD, and they can have absolutely nothing to do with one another. Got it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and kind of tackling these topics because they are, they're out there, right? And I, and I know that, like I said, I, I don't think this topic is discussed enough. Um, but before you leave, can you um, kind of let us know what's one thing you'd like to leave the audience with? I think it's really important that people have as much self-compassion 
as possible. OCD is an awful disorder and with physical disorders, if somebody has um, cancer or even the flu, we're going to be very compassionate towards ourselves about struggling to work or interact or do basic activities of daily living. But when we have mental health issues, we really are much harder on ourselves for not being able to do those things. And when we're dealing with an awful disorder like OCD, I really hope that people give themselves permission to not do everything that is expected and that somebody who isn't struggling is able to do. And hopefully with being able to overcome OCD and overcome uh, the struggles that it brings along, um, then those other issues fall to the side and that self-compassion stays and the functioning increases. Beautiful. And how can people find you if they'd like to get in touch with you? They can go to my website, which is nationalanxietyocd.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com backslash contact backslash. That's Core results, K O R R E S U L T S dot com backslash contact.